Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon entitled, This Is My Year. This message explores the question, what does God think is possible for you in the new year? We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select contact us, and send us an email. Good to see you here today. Welcome to Valley Brook. I'm Clark Poff. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, today, we're going to uh, talk about something that everybody talks about this time of year. We're, we're, you know, it's customary to uh, think about uh, what you're going to do different in your life as you head into a new year. People like to take stock of what they're doing and how their life is going, and they decide to make changes. Uh, many people will make New Year's resolutions uh, this coming week. And um, you know what? Uh, many of those resolutions won't uh, last through the month of January. Um, call me cynical, but, uh, but I've heard all the resolutions about dieting and about joining the gym and, and other things that don't last. So I won't be making a resolution this year, but I do have an issue that I feel that uh, God wants me to deal with in this new year. And uh, uh, let me be clear. Uh, God doesn't want me to deal with the issue of uh, breaking resolutions. God wants me to deal with my cynicism. Um, over the past few months, I've had people I'm very close to tell me, wow, you're cynical, Clark. Um, and uh, I've even begun to recognize it in some of the things that I said, and, I, and I've sensed that through these promptings that God's trying to tell me that I need to do something about my cynicism with regards to the way I look at humanity. You know, reality is this. My, I know where my cynicism comes from. My cynicism comes from seeing elected officials who are supposed to be civil servants, but who serve, who serve the people uh, of their nations, but they're only serving themselves. Uh, I've been let down by people who say one thing, but then do another. And when you become cynical, this is what happens. You stop trusting you stop hoping, and you stop believing in people. And I, I don't want to be that person. Uh, I appreciate the words of Kerry Newoff. He, he writes about his own journey with cynicism. And this is what he says. He says, cynicism begins not because you don't care, but because you do care. It starts because you poured your heart into something and got little in return, or maybe you got something in return, but it was the opposite of what you desired. And then he continues, cynicism grows beyond its infancy when you start to protect yourself from future hurt. Having been burned once or twice, you tell yourself only fools get burned three times. So you start to guard your heart. You shelter your soul. But what starts as self-preservation soon morphs into something more insidious. You become a bit jaded. Uh, you're a little wiser, you tell yourself, but... Look closer and you'll see a different reality. What you have is not wisdom as much as hurt and fear forming calluses around your heart. Then Kerry writes about his own journey, saying, When I was at my most cynical, the thing that died within me was hope. Hope that the future would be better than the past. Hope that the next time could be differently, could be different. 
Ironically, he writes, the ultimate antidote for cynicism is the foundation of our Christian faith, which is hope. So, before you get too worried about me, I believe that God has used those people and this insight to open my eyes to what's happening to help me reverse that. And I believe that God wants to restore hope in my life. So I've come to the conclusion that that's what God wants to do in my life this next year. So what about you? What do you think that God sees is possible for you in the new year? What do you think God wants to do in your life? Now, before you discount that question, let's look at what the Bible says about God. And first, let's just do this. Let's address sometimes how we have a misconception of what God is like. Um, Some people think that uh, God is a bored, old, sleepy old man or old woman or who is disinterested in the habits of the earth, inhabitants of the earth. I I hope not, but... uh, that you don't think that, but if you do, let me remind you what we just celebrated. We just celebrated that God's so interested in the earth, that God's so interested in us, the generations of humanity, that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to die on a cross for us. He stepped out of heaven and came to earth, born as a human, lived and died and rose again. Why so that we would know the way to God. So God's not disinterested in us. Some of us also have a, another sort of malformed view of God. We, we look at God as some cosmic cop who's trying to catch us when we do bad things, when we sin, when we make mistakes. But the Bible tells us something completely different. The Bible tells us that God is slow to anger, that he's abounding in love, and that he wants to forgive sin and rebellion. We need to remember that God loves us and cares for us. Now, that doesn't mean that God doesn't discipline us or correct us, but when he does so, he does it out of love. Here's what I want you to know about God. God wants something for you, not from you. Let me say that again. God wants something for you and not from you. If you question that, why else would Jesus say that when he came to earth, he came so that we would have life and have it abundantly, have it to its full? Jesus said that because like God the Father, Jesus wants something for us. So let me go back to that question. What does God think is possible for you in the new year? What does God think is possible for you in the new year? Three things I want us to look at this morning um, that I want us to know uh, about God. He wants new things for us, but hold on. It was just Christmas and many, many of you are thinking God wants shiny new things for you, shiny new material things. That's not what God wants. God wants us to live in the fullest life that we can in a relationship with him. So let's talk about that. The first thing that I want us to look at this is is what I call a new thing, okay? 
Some 20 years ago, God impressed this verse upon a group of us who all sensed that God was calling us to start a new church that became Valleybrook. The verse said this, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past, see I'm doing a new thing, now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way. Now, All of us together in that group took this as an affirmation from God that God was doing something new in our lives. You see, we were all part of an existing church that was and still is a wonderful church, but that church had a vision to reach more people for Christ with the gospel of Jesus by starting new churches. So with the senior pastor's blessing, we left all that was familiar to do a new thing. We claim the promise of this verse because we believe that God was calling us to do this new thing and make a way for people who didn't know God or who didn't believe in Jesus to come to faith in him. And so we stepped out in faith and we started gathering and we started praying together. You know, starting a new thing requires a lot of you because it didn't exist before God calls you to start it. But here's the deal. God calls us all to do things because he believes it's possible for us to do. You don't believe that? Go back to the story of Mary, how she discovered that the Holy Spirit was going to come upon her and she was going to conceive a child and give birth. She was going to have this immaculate conception. And the angel came and spoke to her and told her what was going to happen. Certainly she was startled. Certainly she was probably overwhelmed. Certainly she was probably afraid, but this is what she said that all things are possible through God. All things are possible through God. Was it hard for Mary? You bet it was. But I'm certain she would say it was worth every minute of the challenge and the difficulty to let God do this new thing in her life. Was it hard to start a new church when you didn't have a building, when you didn't have an office, when you didn't have staff, when there was no children's ministry, when there was no student ministry? You bet it was. Was it worth it? Yeah. I can give you at least 638 reasons why it was worth it. 638 is a strange number. That represents the number of people who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior that we know about in those 20 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it hard? Yes. Was it worth it? Yes. God changes lives by doing new things. So let me be the broken record and go back to that question again. What does God think is possible for your life in this new year? Think about it. What does God want to do in your life over the next 12 months? Will it be hard? Yeah, probably. But will it be worth it? I know it will. Because you're going to grow closer to God. You're going to lean on God in a way. You're going to learn things about God that you never learned, that you never understood. So, like, what could it be? Well, let me just put it out there. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, he wants you to become his follower. And I'll share with you how to do that at the end of the service. If if you're um, 
a fan, but really not a fully devoted follower. In other words, you believe in him, but you've not accepted him as your Lord, as your leader. I know he wants you to do that. Maybe he wants you to start a new ministry here at this church. Maybe he wants you to lean into one of the disciplines that we studied this past fall at Valley Brook that, that you've sort of toyed with, but you haven't embraced. Maybe God wants you to use your gifts and your talents and serve him through this ministry rather than sitting on the sidelines. Rather than being a consumer, he wants you to be an investor. Maybe it's you fill in the blank. What does God think is possible for your life in the next year? Now look, if you feel like I'm pushing you, I want to remind you of something. If you become a follower of Jesus Christ, the Bible says this. This is the second point that I want to make. You are a new creation. And new creations do new things. Now, I'm not pushing. I'm encouraging you to step into your destiny as a Christ follower. L look at this verse. It's one I memorized a long time ago. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. When you became a follower of Jesus Christ, you may not have felt physically different, but you became a new person. You became a son of God. You became a daughter of God. You had a new spiritual identity. And on top of that, not only was your eternity guaranteed in heaven, but the Holy Spirit was poured into your life to live with you and to live in you to be your teacher, your guide, and your comforter to do what? To be a, a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And being a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ is oftentimes going to require that you do new things as God calls you and directs you. Doesn't mean that you'll no longer have struggles. Some people look at uh, being a Christian as a uh, sort of a behavior modification plan, like, like uh, it's going to help me uh, get my life on track. Some people think that if you become a Christian that you'll never have struggles. But I, I don't know. They must not be reading the same Bible I'm reading uh, because followers of Jesus Christ all through history have faced struggles and challenges but we're told to consider it all joy to follow Jesus. To understand that, that that's the most important thing in this world. That, that he is our Lord and our Savior. And so he desires for us to be fully devoted followers. Each and every day, you and I have a choice to follow Jesus or not to. The Apostle Paul wrote about this choice of living for Jesus in the book of Romans when he said this. He said, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you can choose to or not choose to conform to the world. And you can choose to conform to Jesus. And in doing so, you'll be transformed by that choice. That's part of being a new creation. If you want to do what God thinks is possible for you, then you're going to have to let him take you into this new thing in this new year. 
Uh, Latasha Morrison is an author and a leader of a ministry called Build a Bridge, and she started this uh, racial reconcili reconciliation movement in the church two years ago, and she writes about how God called her to do this, and then she challenges all followers of Jesus about leaning into what God calls them to do. This is what she writes. She says, so many of us hide little flickers of hope inside our hearts, and we ignore the small nudges from God, nudges pushing us to change the direction of our lives. Why? Maybe acting on those nudges will bring deep discomfort as our worldviews are disrupted. Maybe fear of the unknown or the loss of our tidy lives keeps us from following God. Whatever the case, when we don't engage God, when we don't follow his leadings, we end up carrying on the status quo. Even if it's not the right thing, the most just thing. Now, she continues. She says, don't get me wrong. There are times to be still. Seasons when we need to pause and listen and rest. There are times when we need to be silent and take in new information. But I've learned over the years it's easy to mistake being still with complacency, to mistake waiting with hiding. When we realize we've settled for comfort instead of following conviction, we have to be willing to shake things up, even if stepping into our calling leads us into discomfort. We all need to see that as new creations in Christ, God can work in us to do amazing things. Quite honestly, that's why I'm leaning into this realization about my cynicism. You know, uh, I, candidly, I, I hide it from most people, but, but oftentimes with the folks that I'm closest to, it comes out. And I've given them permission to call me on it, and they are. I don't like it. But I'm also, also beginning to recognize it in myself. And I don't believe that God desires for me to be a cynic. God desires for me to be an encourager. He desires for me to be hopeful. He desires for me to be a cheerleader for the body of Christ to help grow the kingdom of God. And you can't do that if you've lost hope and you've given up on people. So I know that God wants to do this new work in my life. He's given me a new focus. So let's talk about new focus for all of us. Paul was a person of great human accomplishments. If you know the story of the Apostle Paul, he, he considers himself to be a Pharisee of Pharisees. In other words, he was the best. He considered himself to be a Hebrew of Hebrews. He, he followed the law to a T. And if he did make a mistake, he obviously went through all the things that had to be done to, to deal with that sinfulness but then his life fell apart in a good way. He had a personal encounter with the living Jesus Christ, and it rocked his world and his life forever, and it changed the focus and the trajectory of his life. And I think we can all say that if it wasn't for the Apostle Paul, we wouldn't be here today. Because he used, God used the Apostle Paul to bring 
the message of Jesus Christ to the Gentile world. He, he used it to bring that uh, to people who didn't grow up in, in Judaism, even though he was. So, so listen to what he, he writes about the focus of his life in his new life in Christ. This is a little long, but listen to what he says. He says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of what for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You can see how he changed his focus. He considered everything before in his life garbage for the sake of knowing Jesus. And, and he presses on toward the goal of knowing and living with Christ on this earth and and obviously his goal was to be with him forever and eternity. Our focus as new creations, as followers of Jesus, should be the same. We should be focusing on Jesus and counting everything else lost just for the sake of knowing him. And as we do that, when we press on in that faith, we're living the life that Christ wants us to, and he will reveal more and more things for us. Now, to many people that sounds scary because they feel like they're going to have to give up everything that they know and they love. They think that they'll have to become missionaries and, and give up everything uh, for the sake of going into missions. They'll think they'll have to be some religious devotee who, who doesn't have the things that they thought were important to them. And you know what? It's possible. It's possible when you let Jesus have full control of your life, you will have to give up some things. But it's not likely that you will have to give up everything. It's not likely that you'll be called to leave uh, this country and go to another country. Yes, some people are, but not everybody is. Think about this. When you, when you think about the followers of Jesus Christ, when they became followers, yes, they made many sacrifices, but they weren't all forced to change their jobs. They weren't all forced to give away everything that they had. They weren't all forced to change every bit of their lives. But with this new focus, they also realized that some of the old ways of life and living didn't matter anymore. Some of the old ways were meaningless because of the new focus of knowing Christ. Some of those old ways were incongruent with the new focus of knowing Christ. That new focus of knowing him may refocus some things for us. And that new focus may remove some other things just naturally. 
Some changes will come easy, others will not be as easy. I remember when I became a follower of Jesus Christ, there were things in my life that, uh, you know, had to be let go of because they were incongruent and candidly, I didn't want to hold on to them anymore. There were things that I added to my life and there are continually things that I'm adding to my life. Why? For the sake of knowing him better, for the sake of following him more, for the sake of taking hold of what he wants me to take hold of. Jan Johnson uh, wrote uh, what following Jesus looks like to her in an article in Discipleship Journal. And she made some observations. She said, Jesus never made decisions the way we do. Take the job that pays more. Do the ministry that's most convenient. Eat lunch with the friend who is least taxing. Seize the opportunity that's most comfortable. Instead, Jesus keeps asking us, what is the redemptive thing? What is the thing I've called you to do? What have we discussed in our ongoing, ongoing conversations? How have I loved you and how can you pass that on? When you think about what Jan Johnson realized, then asking that question that I keep asking maybe takes some form for the answer that you'll have. The question again, what does God think is possible for you in this new year? What does God want to do in your life? Not only do I sense God calling me to do something new in my personal life, I've also sensed this year that God's calling uh, me and us to do something new in our calling as a church. And, and, and when I talk about the church, that means every single one of us who make up the body of Christ. And, and so this new sense of calling was that we would renew the evangelistic focus that we had when we started Valley Brook so we could lead more and more people to Christ. That meant, and it still means, that we need to pray that as a church and as individuals, we can share Christ with people. And that means that we need to pray that people will respond. Uh, you may have noticed I've been more intentional about sharing the gospel and inviting people to accept Christ. And also about following up with guests and people who come. I began asking God earlier this year that he would allow us to see a hundred people accept Christ through this ministry this year. And uh, I began to ask you to join me in prayer. So, you know, we're about six months into that prayer. And I want to share with you something. At least as far as we're able to count, we've seen 48 people come to faith in Jesus Christ in those six months. So keep praying and keep doing. Yeah, that's something to, to celebrate. Keep praying. Yeah. Keep praying. But then open your heart and your mind to say, how can I share Christ with one another? Who can I invite to an event, to church, to a ministry opportunity where they can hear about the good news of Jesus Christ? You know, the reality is, you know, I, I'm certain uh, there are more than that because let me just share with you about Christmas Eve. On Christmas Eve, I shared the gospel and I invited people. Very simply, I, I wanted to follow up with them and I'd send them one email, just some material that they could follow up with. And all they had to do uh, was put their um, email address on the welcome card and drop it in the offering when they left. So we had uh, almost 600 people here on Christmas Eve. Only got two cards. So I did follow up with them. 
and hopefully they'll take those steps to grow deeper in that relationship. But my assumption is more people prayed that prayer than filled out those cards. So I suspect that God is doing more than we realize. But it's important that we celebrate what we know that he's done. And and this all happened. This all happened because God called us to remember the new things that he wanted to do in our lives, to reach people for Christ. And since as Christ followers, each one of us is a new creation in Christ, we know that God has called us to work together, to share Christ to share his importance with other people, to pray for people to come to faith in Jesus Christ, to pray that God will do things to change the hearts and minds of people that don't know him, and even those of us who do know him. So please keep praying. Uh, Keep inviting people to come to events here at Valley Brook and join us as the body of Christ with this renewed focus to help people come to faith. That's how the body of Christ works in the life of every believer, and that's how he wants to work in us. And so, you know, as I ask this question one more time, I don't expect you to be able to answer it today. But I do want to encourage you to begin to pray and ask God, what do you want me to do in the next 12 months? I will remind you that beginning on the 5th of January and going for 21 days straight, every night at 7 o'clock, we're going to meet in this building and we're going to pray. That would be a great opportunity for you to spend some time in the body of Christ, engaging in prayer with the body of Christ, seeking God's direction for your life. So put that on your calendar and invite someone to come. The first night, we're going to kick it off with a night of worship and prayer. So I encourage you to put that on your calendar. But, but let me go back to that question. Because I believe that question is important for every Christ follower, not just on an annual basis, but since we're coming to the change of a year, we'll ask it that way. What does God think is possible for you in the new year? What does God think is possible for you in the year 2020? So, I want us to spend just a moment praying about that, but I'm going to start that prayer off giving anybody who's never told Jesus they believe in him the opportunity to do so, or if you need to make a recommitment to him, you can. And because I would love to follow up with you, I would encourage you to uh, put your name and your email address on the welcome card and drop it in the basket as you leave today so I, so I can send you that material to follow up with you. But if you would, bow your heads and let's pray. So Father, as we gather in this place today, Lord, I I suspect that there's someone who who needs to make a recommitment or or tell you that they believe in you for the first time and they accept you as their Lord and Savior because of all that you did through Jesus on the cross to secure our forgiveness and our salvation. So if that represents you, I'm just going to invite you to pray silently right in your seat these words. Here's the first phrase. Dear God, I believe in Jesus. Go ahead and pray that silently. I believe that Jesus came down to earth and lived a life and he died on a cross. And I believe his death paid for my sins. And I believe that Jesus didn't stay dead, but he rose again. And today, I want to say to you, I want to follow him for the rest of my life. 
We pray this in your name. Amen. But keep your eyes closed. So, Father, we thank you for those folks who prayed that prayer. If you, with your eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or a recommitment, just raise your hand. I want to celebrate with you. Don't be shy. Go ahead and raise it. All right. That's cool. Father, we thank you. Now, for those of us who need to say, God, what do you want us to do in this new year, in these next 12 months? What do you want for us? Open our eyes and our hearts to that, Lord. We, that's our prayer. Open our hearts, our minds to what you want out of our lives, what you want for us. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear your spirits. Lord, speak to us. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close with this uh, song called Build My Life. And as you read the lyrics to this song, as you sing them, think about your relationship with God. So let's stand it and sing it as a, a proclamation, a declaration that we want him to be in our lives and we want to build our lives on him. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.